regaining the African theological voice, that presentation was really also a challenge to fellow Africans who are opposed to Christianity because it came with white missionaries at the same time as colonialism came in. And so Christianity is so tainted. Every time somebody speaks about Christianity, all they see are the colonialists. That paper was also intended to challenge us as Africans to recognize that right from the early church, our African brothers and sisters were preaching the gospel, they were confronting heresy, they were forming doctrine. So for us today, what we are doing is we are continuing their work. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott, to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed, The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, we pick up with part two of Chris's talk with Elizabeth Mburu of Kenya. They'll continue their conversation about the Africa Bible Commentary, the early church in Africa, and how God is using his people in Africa to bless the global body of Christ. I hope you enjoy it. So let's move to another area of your work, which is still connected with Langham, and that is that the uh, we all many of us will know about the Africa Bible Commentary, which was uh, first uh, published, I think, in yeah. 2006, and now, whatever it is, 14, 15 years later, uh, you're involved with the uh, complete revision of that uh, book, and I gather that you're on the editorial board of the Africa Bible Commentary and indeed uh, overseeing the editing of the New Testament section of it. But tell us, why why does the Africa Bible Commentary need revision? Well, it's, as you said, 14 years later, and Africa has hmm. changed in the last 14 years. Globalization has changed the face of the continent. Um, you have to think about the fact that when this commentary was first written, we thought mainly in terms of uh, people who live in the rural areas and people who live in the urban areas and how do we address those. But now we have this digital space in between. Uh, the internet has made has, has opened up everything such that um, a girl in the village can be using her cell phone and be on Instagram and her grandmother next door is still boiling water using firewood and living in a hut. And this girl mm. in the village could have more in common with some someone in Seattle than with somebody in her own village just because of that. So just this globalization, um, the fact that the digital age has opened things up, 
uh, the fact that Africans are, uh, are, are, have, have grown in terms of their understanding of faith. There are more Christians who are now digging in deeper in the faith, even though we do have the challenges. And also we realized that the first edition, it was very good, but we hadn't yet learned how to think Africanly, if I can put it that way. We hadn't yet really learned what does it mean to, to think contextually, not just to contextualize what comes from the West, but to produce our own work with our own thinking and incorporate our proverbs and our riddles to help our readers understand the text better. And so those were some of the reasons mm. why we felt uh, it, it was time to just give it a little bit of a facelift. And um, the process is going mm. really well, I have to say. It's, it's exciting. Good. That's good. I was going to ask, how, how is it going? Uh, it's excellent. We are... Um, we're in the board, we're about five of us in the board. Um, and so each one of us, of course, has our own different responsibilities. I think the most exciting thing about it is that you get to engage and interact with other scholars, those that are contributing to the commentaries, to the articles. Um, and, and with the articles, of course, like I said, Africa has changed. And so we are, we are seeing articles that are deal dealing with issues that seem to be global issues, not just African issues. And so just engaging with these different writers and, and hearing where they are coming from and seeing how they, they work with the word of God to, to share truth is, is just a very exciting process because all of them come at it from their different perspectives. And, and part of the excitement of that as well is that you are mentoring and encouraging younger African thinkers, theologians, and writers who will presumably go on to write more uh, than, than simply the Africa Bible commentary. They'll do other work as well. So that's wonderful. Do you have any idea of when the revised version may be coming out? Well, we're hoping for um, 2022, probably February 2022. Um, because um, oh, That's great. We're really trying to do quality work. We want our African mm. readers to, to feel that we, we care about them and we want to give them something that is good. Uh, and so a good resource mm. that they can, they can keep holding on to. Most people can't wait. They keep asking, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? <laughs> yeah, like me. <laughs> yes. When can we have the next one? Yes, absolutely. But the great thing is that this Africa Bible commentary in its revised form, like the original, will support all those Bible preaching movements to really mean that pastors can get at the, the, the meaning of the text and then how it applies and all the directions in which it is relevant to, to African realities and context. Now, Liz, you also teach. You are a professor of the New Testament in Greek, so you are committed to theological education but uh, in one of your chapters in your book, you, you do also write about the challenges that face theological education in Africa. Would you, would you like to tell us a bit about that? What, what are the problems that you see in the whole world of African theological education? I think the, the, the biggest pr problem, and it's one that I'm, I'm so glad Langham is there because they're alleviating that problem, it is the lack of resources. Um, first of all, it's the lack of uh, contextual resources 
because we really haven't had very many people writing. I mean, it's changing now. We are getting more books by African authors. But even if you go into our libraries, um, you will notice that it's a very small section that will have African authored books. So that's the first challenge, the, the contextual resources. But the other challenge is just the lack of resources, period, um, from whatever perspective. And part of that is because of affordability. Um, by the time a book is published in the US or in the UK and it's shipped over to us, um, $20, 30 $40, $50 is too much. Yeah. Perhaps a, a $10 book or a 10-pound book would be what what would be reasonable for our students. And even that is challenging. And then apart from the affordability, the access uh, because of distribution, uh, because the distribution chains are not very efficient. And so even though a book may be sitting in Nairobi, where, in Kenya, where I am, getting it to a remote village in the Northern part of Kenya to the students there is a problem. Um, and so not many students have access to Kindle, that's expensive. Um, Amazon ships to Kenya nowadays, most African countries, but that's expensive. So that issue of resources um, is, is, is the biggest one. And then, of course, there's the issue of um, sometimes the infrastructure in, in our institutions is not able to support uh, the theological education. This We have really felt it this year uh, because of the COVID-19 issue. Um, not many of our Bible schools and colleges and universities were ready to go mm-hmm. online. Some of them even had to shut down. Mm-hmm. And so that lack of infrastructure mm-hmm. is a big challenge for us. Someone we has have... said that... Sorry. I was going to say, someone has said that access to the internet uh, today is a bit like literacy was a generation or two ago. In other words, it, it has become almost an essential Uh, utility to enable people to access that through which they can then make progress in in life one way or another. And and certainly we in Langham are taking very seriously the challenge of uh, how can we um, really be in this digital world in a way which enables people to participate in the theological discussion and the the training and so on. Can I ask you a question again about theological education? Because many people would see theology, teaching as kind of secondary in the church to the real mission of the church. How do you see theological education as being on mission or part of mission? Well, I think it's foundational. I think that for us to effectively divide the word of truth, as Paul says, um, you need to have a good, solid foundation. You need to understand um, theological truths. You need to understand how to interpret the text. You need to understand ethical issues. You need to understand church history. You need to know where we come from so that you can figure out where we are going. And so for me, theological education is foundational for mission. Um, And I think, let me give you a negative example. We have a lot of African churches now doing reverse missions. Many African churches in the UK, many African churches in the US. As the churches are declining, there the African churches are growing. Mm -hmm. Most of these are being planted by people who have no theological training Mm -hmm. and who, I hate to say it, have more of a prosperity, health and wealth gospel. So not biblical truth. Mm -hmm. So when we don't have theologically trained people 
to preach or to do evangelism or to do counseling, then we go wrong because then we have no understanding of the mission of God. I, I think that the Great Commission then becomes, I think, more about us than about Christ. And so for me, it's foundational. And that's why I feel really bad that so many of our pastors don't have formal training. And so the Lang and Preaching movements and other people that are coming in to do non-formal training, like my husband does, that's key. That's very important. I think uh, it's fascinating what you said there about what you call reverse mission. Uh, I'm not too sure about the word reverse because mission is from everywhere to everywhere. <laughs> but but you're, you're you're talking about those who come. Just taking it to, back. Exactly. It was but those, brought to us and now we are taking it back. Yes. We're bringing it back to you. <laughs> and, and we need it, I tell you. But it, it, it sounds like in some ways the the kind of, well, I'm not sure if the word mistake is the right word, but we know that Western missionaries often brought with them some of the worst aspects of Western Christianity, including a, a kind of colonial mindset or yeah. denominational yeah. divisions, which poisoned the church where they then planted. And it sounds like what you're saying is that sadly, it is possible that some of the African missionaries in their zeal are bringing some aspects of what yes. you described as the challenges and the defects exactly. of prosperity gospel and so on as part of their mission. And, and in both cases, it's perhaps because of, of a lack of deep theological and biblical understanding of what the Christian faith is all about or should be. Exactly. We're exporting um, our syncretism, exporting our false teachings, and they could be very genuine, like you're saying, but yeah, zeal without knowledge is not enough, right? Yes, well, zeal without knowledge, as the Apostle yes. Paul said. Yeah. One of the phrases, Liz, that you have uh, in your email signature and also on your Twitter handle is, quote, empowering the church in its African expression, which is a lovely phrase. I, I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit and, and, and how your work facilitates it. What is an African expression of Christianity, and how does that then differ from a Western expression, and how do you go about, quote, empowering it? I think I, I've been talking about this, you know, a little bit throughout this conversation. Mm. Um, whenever I, I, I talk about this, I usually have an image. I have a, a picture of a, a, a Maasai woman. Maasai is the tribe in Kenya that's retained its culture the most and it seems to be representative for tourism. So it's it, they, they the Maasai people are well known. So I usually have a Maasai a picture of a Maasai woman singing and the Bible together. And so that for me is what African expression means. It means that my Africanness is not lost, but it's under the word of God. And that everything about my culture, my worldview is challenged by the word of God. So it's uniquely African, but uh, also uh, biblically sound. That for me is, is what I say when I say empowering the church. It's African expression. We talked about things like the worship and the kind of preaching and um, things like that. And, and is that also what uh, you mean by, in, in an address that you gave recently about regaining the African theological voice or is that something slightly different or additional to the African expression? African expression, I suppose, could be the church as a whole. 
whereas we also need to hear the voice of African theology speaking into our culture as well, don't we? Yes, uh, but in, in, in that regaining the African theological voice, I was actually alluding to the fact, and you already talked about it, that the church was in Africa right from biblical times. And so when the Western missionaries brought us the gospel, they were not bringing us something we hadn't experienced before, although there was a big gap. And so um, regaining the African theological voice, that presentation was really also a challenge to fellow Africans who um, are opposed to Christianity uh, because it came with white missionaries at the same time as colonialism came in. And so Christianity is so tainted with that, that every time um, somebody speaks about Christianity, all they see are the colonialists. And so that paper was also intended to challenge us as Africans to recognize that right from the early church, um, our African brothers and sisters were preaching the gospel, they were confronting heresy, they were um, forming doctrine. And so for us today, what we are doing is we are continuing their work. And so mm. we need to regain that voice and begin to speak again and to begin to recognize that we have value. We have something to contribute to that theological conversation that is taking place around the world. And it's very important that we do that because if we don't do that, then like I said, I think it must have been that address that the church is like a half-finished song. It's, it's lopsided. There's something missing uh, because we're only hearing one voice uh, and we're not hearing the other so that that's, that's fascinating. what that meant yes yeah and that is fascinating because of course many people aren't aware of the fact that you know many of the early church fathers were african you know augustine and uh, the the egyptian fathers yes. and and the ethiopian I mean, this tre tremendous heritage of african christianity and even uh, going back you know to sub-saharan africa the the ancient and and you know the antiquity of the church in west africa exactly um, so it, it reminds me a little bit of um, sitting with Arab Christian friends uh, in in Cairo and in, in Lebanon, saying to me, you know, we we can't, in a sense, compete with the theological libraries of Oxford and Cambridge today yeah. because, you know, that could take us a thousand years. But, and this was uh, an Egyptian brother, he said, we don't need to because we had our Arab Christian theology and commentaries a thousand years ago and more, but those voices of uh, of Arab Christianity going way way back, mm -hmm. indeed to again to the New Testament itself, have somehow got lost, and so we need to hear those voices again down through the ages uh, yes. of, of Arab Christianity. And you're saying the same thing of African Christian exactly. voices, which were there long before the colonial era uh, exactly. or, or West Western mission. Um, so, again, how are you going about doing that? Is, is that a project? Or are there those who are seeking to bring that African voice, that theological voice, more into the Western world, the Western church, or the Western Theological Academy? But we're doing it um, primarily through um, perhaps two or three avenues. Uh, the first avenue is through scholarship, so through our writing, through partnerships with um, organizations like Langham, and um, like-minded individuals and, and organizations that recognize that we need to, to write from our context, for our context, while maintaining biblical truth. And I always want to emphasize 
that our foundation is biblical truth, the word of God. So primarily through writing. Uh, also, secondly, through conferences and through the societies that promote these conferences. For instance, um, the book that you're quoting from uh, is part um, is the conference that runs yearly that produces those those uh, papers is the Africa Society for Evangelical Theology, and so we we get together and we talk about issues that are relevant to us. For instance, next year we'll be talking about pneumatology in Africa. This year we talked about Christology in Africa. Just let me stop you there. Pneumatology okay. is the doctrine of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so next next year we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit in Africa. And that's a very exciting topic for us because there's there's a lot of misunderstanding about the way the Holy Spirit works. Uh, and so hopefully we get to clear that up and to listen to good papers. This year we talked about how do we understand Christ? Um, who is Christ to us and what has he done? And so uh, we talk about these issues and then publish those, those papers and then uh, pass them on to our libraries and, and to other leaders. And then, of so course, I, yes. So let me just recap. You're talking about the Africa Society of Evangelical Theology yes. series. And I've, I've got the, these are being published as part of the Langham Global Library, I think. The, um, no, so it's, we have, it's the ASET series, which is, ASAT. oh, yeah, Langham Global Library, yes. I, I think we're, part, we're participating in yes. it. But I, I just, I noticed some of the titles. Uh, in 2017 was Christianity and Suffering. Yes. Uh, and then the, the book we were referring to in 2018, African Contextual Realities. And then one uh, in 2019 on governance yes. and Christian yes. higher education in the African context, yes. so uh, theological education. So this is a continuing series yes. uh, from, conferences, from conferences, producing books exactly. and trying to influence the, the, the way people think and, and, and get people aware of the, the African theological voice. Exactly. And we, uh, we try to... Um, We've been trying to be more broad because I'm part of that. Uh, I'm part of that society, and so we have people from all over the continent. Um, this year, we even had people from outside the continent. People who are interested in, in, in seeing what African theology looks like, and, and, and how African scholars are addressing the issues that are um, that relate to Africa, and and then how that goes out into the world. And then I that's, think that's one. Yeah. So you, you asked me how we are dealing with it. I think that that way is through our theological education, um, through the programs that we offer, the kinds of courses that we offer. The course offering in an African uh, theological institution would be very different from that in the West because we we want to focus on our contextual issues. We want to understand African traditional religion and how that is still influencing us and how we can deal with that. Um, in a, in a biblical way, and so those three ways. I was fascinated that you said that people are coming to see. You know, <laughs> you, you have people from from other from the West and from elsewhere to see what's going on in Africa. You know, so so they should. You know, I mean, it, we, it's a bit like the Queen of Sheba. You know, who comes to visit the court of Solomon, <laughs> and then is overwhelmed with what was going on there. And and I think that's you know I sometimes feel with with, with Western Christians you know they just need to get out more they actually need yeah. to see what God is doing in the world, uh, and be astonished and amazed and encouraged. And the good and thing blessed. is those that come to see don't stop at that. They then invite us to go and speak to their students because I've done that. 
at, at, at some institutions talking about the issues of Africa, whether it's ethics or, or whether it's just theology in general or just the issues facing the church in Africa. And so they come, they see, and they recognize something is happening here. And I need my students and my network to, to experience this as well and for us to begin to talk, to have a conversation. Because like I said, Africa is defining global Christianity for the future. And so we have to work together. Amen to that. Liz, this has been wonderful, but I wonder if we could just come back to yourself again before we, we close and just ask what, what's next for you and in, in your work in ministry? Are you working on any particular book at the moment? Uh, yes, I am working for something for Langham Global Library. Actually, it's a commentary on 1st, 2nd and 3rd John for Muslim contexts. That's, so that's also a contextual commentary. We have uh, Muslims in Kenya, and so uh, we wanted to write a commentary that would help them understand the gospel, would help them understand um, biblical truth. Um, one more project that I'm currently working on is on um, orality and teaching in Africa. And so just seeing how we can get our African students to engage better in the educational process through, mm -hmm. through oral techniques, mm -hmm. the two main projects that I have. Of course, as we finish off the Africa Bible commentary. Well, there is that. Yes. Uh, make sure you get that done. Yes. And so what can we be praying for you and for Caxton and your children? Well, um, Caxton and I are part of a missions agency called Biblical Ministries Worldwide. So we are what they call national missionaries. And so um, I just pray that as we work within this organization that as we minister, as we serve, sorry, within this organization, uh, that we would um, be effective in, in, in what we need to do. Catstone does uh, pastoral training for rural pastors. So I'm always very excited about that because he's reaching a group of people that has been largely ignored. And so just the resources to be able to do that, the energy to be able to do that, and the wisdom to know how to, how to teach these past as well, and for me, how to teach my students and how to do uh, what I'm doing in Langham and have a good balance. Mm. I think that, that's the main, main prayer request for me. Well, thank you. We, we shall certainly pray for those things and, and for you and Caxton and all that work. So I've been talking with uh, Dr. Liz Mburu, and it's been a pleasure, and now uh, I will say goodbye. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Chris. Goodbye. That's it for today. Praise God for how he raises up women like Liz and uses them to point entire regions toward the gospel. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless.